episode brought to you by McAllister Home Security, the only security system that will keep the intruders at bay and push the holiday blues away. Call right now for a free quote on our famous untouchable doorknobs. Our swinging... (laughs) (laughs) Our swinging paint can door alarms. And our foolproof blowtorch perimeter protectors. My favorite is untouchable door knob. <laughs> Call McAllister Home Security at 555-81-Kevin. <laughs> or visit us online at McAllisterHomeSecurity.com. 81-Kevin. I love it. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 1990 Christmas classic, Home Alone. You called it a classic because what else is it? It's a classic. I mean, guys, like this film, always been there. Since day one, always has been there. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That is with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, practice the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. We want everyone to be able to join this watch party. Have you gotten us a gift yet? No? Go leave us a review, please, and thank you. Guys, the best Christmas present you can get me and my sister Carrie Ann this year is to go leave Give us a review. Give us a retweet. All right. You ready to break in? <laughs> Y'all, that was what I was going to say if I didn't like your first choice. Nuh-uh. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was going to say something like, let's break this entering. Ah! Stop it. Oh, my God. Guys, we are, we have the same brain. It's, it's not like, I'm not like that upset by it, but like, damn, it would be nice to have a private thought. Exactly. We're getting, when we get like a Patreon and are able to distribute merchandise, we're getting everyone buttons that say, it would be nice to have a private thought. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> God, I love you for it, though. I love you for it, too, but holy shit. All right, we got to get started. We, we got to do this. When the McAllister family left on their Christmas vacation... Did we miss the flight? No, you just made it. They forgot one small thing. Have yourself... I have a terrible feeling. Did you lock up? Yeah. Do we set the timers on the lights? Mm Mm-hmm. What else could we be forgetting? Our troubles will be ours. Kevin! Ah! Home Alone. Police in the northern suburbs are on the lookout for a pair of burglars who are calling themselves the Wet Bandits. We know that you're in there. It's Santa Claus. And it's Elf. Get off my property. This is my house. I have to defend it. Where's your mother? My mom's in the car. Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and sisters? I'm an only child. Where do you live? Can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. He's a kid. I mean, what can a kid do to us? Kids are stupid. I know I was. You still are, Mark. This is it. Ow! I don't care if I have to get out on your runway and hitchhike. I am going to get home to my son. Take your shoes off. 
Why do you dress like a chicken? Gus Polinski, Polka King of the Midwest. If you have to get to Chicago, we'll gladly drive you. Hey, guys. Yesterday, he was just a kid. Ah! But tonight, he's a home security system. You guys give up or you're thirsty for more? From John Hughes. You know, I got a feeling this is going to be your best Christmas ever. A family comedy without the family. Ah! Home Alone. Are you here all alone? I'm eight years old. You think I'd be here alone? I don't think so. Guys, one of the most successful films of all time. At that time, only E.T. and Star Wars had ever done better. Let's talk a little bit about this production. Oh my God, can we talk about my buddy John? John Hughes, man, wrote every successful movie of the 1980s. Just about, right? Like National Lampoon. All of them. Mr. Mom. Right. Sixteen Candles. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Pretty in Pink. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Weird Science. Dennis the Menace. Oh my god! Um, R.I.P. John Hughes. He died when he was only 59 years old. I know. It was from from a heart attack. Oh, rest in peach. Some of my favorite things he wrote, and he's such a good writer. Like, to the point where it makes me jealous. There was a documentary made in Canada in 2009 about his life, and it's called Don't You Forget About Me. Oh, no! Yeah. Don't you forget about me. tears it pulls it pulls at your heartstrings but like john hughes is responsible for this whole generation of actors oh no yeah he brought up a whole new generation of actors and he influenced a whole generation of filmmakers Mm -hmm. like i don't know if y'all have ever seen easy a but that's smacks of john hughes from beginning to end it's that's just one example but he basically invented the modern teen comedy And I mean, guys, Chris Columbus has been with us before. He was with us when we did Mrs. Doubtfire. Of course, he does all. He did like the first three Harry Potters. Just have to mention Mr. John Williams is with us on the Ivories. You were saying to me off mic that the secret behind this film's success is this thruple we have. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. John Hughes, Chris Columbus, and John Williams. These three are the key to the magic of the film. And... John Williams is just probably the greatest living composer of our time. I mean, I think that's a fair statement. When you hear those tracks from all of those classic films. They're evocative. Exactly. Like you immediately, you're either taken there or you're given the picture in your brain of something you relate that tune to. So that leads me into, guys, we've got names. Absolutely. All right, folks. In his first kicking and streaming appearance we have the one the only the talented the weird <laughs> mr macaulay culkin macaulay culkin plays our protagonist little kevin McAllister. he is famous for home alone like home alone home alone 2 lost in new york those are like the two biggest films he's known for and uncle buck he's the kid in uncle buck where's your wife don't have one how come it's a long story do you have kids no i don't I'll come. It's an even longer story. Are you my dad's brother? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. I'm your dad's brother, all right. You have much more hair and your nose than my dad. How nice of you to notice. I'm a kid. That's my job. Like, that's iconic um, stuff. Pause. He's fucking Richie Rich. That's also true. Like, I forgot about that. Another thing we can't forget. 
that messed up movie he's in with Elijah Wood, The Good Son. The Good Son. Oh my God, you're entirely right. It's so, it works so well because Macaulay Culkin has been like a little adult forever. Yeah, it's a little disconcerting. It it is. (laughs) It's like I feel this kid looking at me and like he knows me. I can't wait for him to play whatever psycho freak he's going to play on American Horror Story season 10. I'm waiting for it. Also, Kieran Culkin's in it. Yeah. His brother, his little brother, he's one of the cousins. Yeah, he plays Fuller, the he's one cute. that wets the bed. Yeah, he's oh, cute. Oh, bless him. Guys, welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, our dear old friend, Mr. Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci, who was in the first movie we covered for Kicking and Streaming, My, my Cousin, cousin Vinny. Vinny. Oh, uh, my God. And he plays Harry. Guys, Casino, Goodfellas. Isn't he in JFK? He is. He is. <gasps> oh, my God. He's in Moonwalker, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Joe Pesci is a Tim Burton silhouette for me. (laughs) Like, characters that are just so real they have to be fiction. Exactly. Like, you can't believe this person is actually alive and exists. Joe Pesci is a cartoon, and I mad respect him for that. (laughs) I absolutely do. We have Mr. Daniel Stern. He's not been with us before. No. But he plays the notorious Marv. He was in The Wonder Years and City Slickers. He filmed City Slickers, like, right after this. I think he's very full of himself. What? He thinks he's this, like, accredited actor. Like, I think he's funny. He's funny, but, like, you know. He's in Shrill, which is a new show, like, on Hulu. I watch that sometimes. We have the one, the only, Emmy Award winner, Catherine O'Hara. Our queen, Catherine O'Hara. I love Catherine O'Hara. No matter what she's in, I'm loving her. She's our favorite holiday mom. Nightmare Before Christmas, Beetlejuice, Best in Show, Guys, Shit's Creek. Yeah, she won big this past year for Shit's Creek. Didn't it also just wrapped up, didn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so like, guys, Catherine O'Hara, what are you going to do next, girl? Call she, us. Whenever I watch this film, she could always make me believe she was my mom. I know, right? Even though my mom is not a whole lot like Kate McAllister. Oh, no, absolutely not. I, she still, I just want to give her a hug. No, it's big. I want Kate McAllister to give me a hug. Some actresses just have big mom energy. Yeah, they do. And she's one of them. We have John Hurd. I don't care a lot about John Hurd. He was in Big, and I've seen him in Gladiator. He's in Beaches. He's in White Chicks. Yes, he is. The hell? Yes, he oh, is. Oh, and yes, he is in Beaches, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> we have, his name is Roberts Blossom. Oh, uh, Mr. Marley. Yeah. Do you get the reference? Yeah, as in Jacob Marley? Yeah. I just re- I just. <laughs> you re- will be haunted by three spirits. I just re-listened to Muppets Christmas Carol. Yes. It was a fun time, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. It was a simpler time. <laughs> Roberts Blossom is known for being in the 1974 version of Great Gatsby. Um, I've never seen that one. He's in Close Encounters of a Third Kind. <gasps> Wait, really? Uh-huh. He plays a farmer. Oh. Yeah. I mean, he's not like got a big role in it, but. No small parts, just small parts of Carrie's brain. <laughs> I like it. Ross, don't forget, Mr. John Candy. Yes, we have Mr. John Candy just four short years before his untimely death. Oh, gosh. Also rest in peace. Yeah. If it's John Candy, it's John Hughes. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Planes, trains, and automobiles. Uncle Buck. I mean, come on. He's in Spaceballs. He is in Spaceballs. God love him. He's in Little Shop of Horrors for five minutes. Mm. And there are plenty of other uh, friendly faces to go with them. All right, we've been talking for exactly an hour and 30 minutes. It's been at 30 minutes, yeah. Wow. I know. It's a big film, guys. It is a big film. We're going to probably be here for a second. And that's okay. 
I love this opening where we're slowly zooming out of that doodle of the house. Yeah, from the get-go, it's classically mysterious. Thank you, John Williams. Speaking of houses, guys, can we talk about the McAllister family home? Yes, we are on the north side of Chicago. Not south side. We are. This is the north side. Every branch of the McAllister family is in this house. Yeah, you're going to have to walk me through this a little bit. I will, definitely. Every time I see this movie, I feel like I see another kid or another family member that I've never seen before. You want me to lay it down for you? Uh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. So here's how it goes. So we live at 657 Lincoln Boulevard. Oh my God, you knew the address. Yeah. (laughs) It's a beautiful house. I want to go see it someday. Not be weird. Like, obviously people live there. But like... Just slowly coast. I just want to slowly coast by. I'm sure they hate that shit. (laughs) Whoever lives there is surely hating it. You and I had this conversation recently. What the fuck does Peter McAllister do for a living that he just has all this money? And after poking around on the internet for five seconds, there I realized that there was a lot of discussion about the fact that he's probably in finance of some kind. Yeah. He's either a day trader or a stockbroker. Those might be the same thing. One thing I I noticed watching this film this time was like, you know, why are there why are there so many mannequins in this house? There are a lot of mannequins in the house. It's because Kate's a fashion designer. That checks out, as far as I'm concerned. And I didn't even realize it, but even when you look at everything Kate wears, I'm like, yeah, she's a fashion designer. She is a very well put together lady. Like, I feel like she works for, you know, Armani, but like 80s Armani. You yeah, know what I, you yeah. Know, you know Shoulder what I mean? pads for days. <laughs> She seems like that kind. So we have Peter and Kate McAllister. So basically, here's how it goes. We have Rob, Frank, and Peter, or the three McAllister brothers. Okay. So there are, I think, two older children from Rob and his wife. Heather's their child. Yes, the old. that is the oldest child. The raven-haired gal uh-huh. that counts them. Okay. And she is a sister. I don't know what her sister's name is. And then you have Frank's family. Frank is married to Leslie. <laughs> Leslie, who looks like so many of our relatives. And basically every bespectacled child belongs to them. Yeah, that's how you know. They're the ones wearing glasses. Those are Frank's kids. And what are their names? I don't know. Well, we have Fuller and... I can tell you there are 11... There are 11 cousins total. Okay, God. We're not going to make you keep track of all these people. We're just laying it out. So Frank and Leslie have four. Rob and his wife have the two oldest. And then Peter and Kate have five. Like, this, there's too many kids in this movie. Peter and Kate have Buzz, Megan, Linny, Rod, and Kevin. I am super impressed that you knew all their names. Mm-hmm. I don't know the cousins' names. I know Fuller. It's obviously wintertime. It's getting close to Christmas. We have a cop by the front door, and no one cares. Yeah, Officer Joe Pesci is here. Kate and Peter McAllister, along with their brother and sister-in-law, are going to join their brother and sister-in-law in Paris for the holidays. Yeah, that's the other thing, guys. Uh, Pete and Kate McAllister, their lives are going so well that they can afford to take nine people to Paris for Christmas. So we're packing up for Paris. Catherine O'Hara in all of her Kate McAllister glory. Mom, Uncle Frank won't let me watch the movie, but the big kids can. Why can't I? Kevin, I'm on the phone. When do you come back? Not till then. It's not even rated R. He's just being a jerk. Kevin, if Uncle Frank says no, then it must be really bad. Like, (laughs) 
<laughs> Listen, poor little Kevin, Kevin McAllister, Macaulay Culkin. Yes. He is already like the youngest of half a baker's dozen of children. I imagine he doesn't get as much attention as he probably deserves. This kid is, like you said, a little adult. He is. He hops up on her bed. She goes, uh-uh, no, Kevin, out of the room. <laughs> and he's flipping through a magazine and he goes, hang up the phone and make me, why don't you? <laughs> And she just goes into the phone. She just goes, this kid. She's already got so many kids. I know. I'm surprised they don't have a nanny. But I... like, there's such a disparity in the age difference that they probably take care of themselves. He's so fussy because everybody's like running around getting ready for this trip and no one's paying any attention to him. Here's the thing. Kevin is a little helpless or at least he's acting like it. Exactly. And, you know, that's what his siblings are saying, you know. I think it's attention-getting behavior. Megan called... They are being very nasty to him. Oh, no. All of his siblings suck. Megan says he's completely helpless. What does Lenny fucking say? You're what the French call... Les Les incompetents. And I'm like, Lenny, where do you even learn that? Lenny thinks she's smart because she's probably in middle school. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Kevin. This house is so full of people. It makes me sick. When I grow up and get married, I'm living alone. Did you hear me? I'm living alone. I'm living alone. A big mood. <laughs> big old friggin' mood. <laughs> big old friggin' mood. Buzz is the eldest McAllister child. He's a prick. We have to talk about Buzz. He just looks like a bully. Oh God! So I, Kevin creeps in. I love this. It's just this, this is this movie. I love John Hughes. This movie is just jam-packed with great one-liners. <laughs> he goes, Can I sleep in your room? I don't want to sleep on the hide bed before. If you have something to drink, he'll wet the bed. I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I ugly laugh. It's perfect. I ugly laugh every time. So then we spot old man Marley out in the street. You know, the neighborhood unconvicted murderer. Yeah, the supposedly. Allegedly. He is allegedly the South Bend Shovel Slayer. Oh, God. So Buzz proceeds to terrify his cousin and brother with this story about this man who lives next to them, who apparently, allegedly, allegedly, murdered a bunch of people on his block with a snow shovel, and then, like, they never found any of the bodies. Yeah, no. What's he doing now? He walks up and down the streets every night, salting the sidewalks. Maybe he's just trying to be nice. No way. See that garbage can full of salt? That's where he keeps his victims. The salt turns the bodies into mummies. I have in my notes, you're so full of shit, Buzz. (laughs) He's just a creepy old man who lives next door. As a last minute treat before we leave the country for Paris, we're going to have pizza tonight. Oh yeah, no one's cooking for this gang. This pizza delivery boy is drunk or high or late or something because holy shit. What? He is skirting on Lincoln Boulevard. <laughs> he is just, this poor lawn jockey. Oh, don't say this poor lawn jockey. That thing shouldn't have existed to begin with. Is it racist? It is. Topple that fucking lawn jockey. I don't give a shit. This cop has been here a while. Also, pizza boy is stupid cute. You think the pizza boy is cute? Yeah. <laughs> I'd let him be my 1990 boyfriend. I really would. So now we've got a pizza boy and a cop standing in the foyer needing to talk to an adult. Also, Peter McAllister 
just gives off this vibe like he's too cool for cops. <laughs> like he walks right up to that cop. No, like there's no concern in his eyes. Like, oh, there's a policeman in my foyer. He just walks right up to him all smiles. Because white people don't fear police. I, You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I redact my statements. <laughs> like, I'm just saying everybody like we think we're buddy buddy with the cops. Like, and there's a reason for that. But th- this is not that conversation. And so Officer Joe Pesci is like, listen, we're just checking around in the neighborhood, doing a welfare check, making sure everybody is, you know, up on their security this Christmas because it's a crazy world out there. And then Peter, like a fool. It's uh, Christmas time. There's always a lot of burglaries around the holidays. So we're just checking the neighborhood to see if everyone's taking the proper precautions. That's all. Oh, yeah, well, we have uh, automatic timers for our lights, locks for our doors. That's about as well as anybody can do these days, right? Ask to see a badge, dude. Like, ask to see a badge. Like, ask to see a badge, sir! And, like, he just lets spill about how their security system works and when their lights are timed out. Yeah, they've got timed lights. They've got security measures in place to make it look like they're home. And so the pizza sequence is honestly so upsetting. Yeah, it used to bother you as a kid, too, I bet. Everybody's, of course, stuffing their face. And I hate Kate. I hope you're all drinking milk. I want to get rid of it. Milk with pizza? Yeah, no, I know. I was like, oh, Kate, that's the real crime. And so here's what happens. Kevin runs in there. He's the littlest. It's hard for him to get to the food in the first place. And he just wants a plain cheese pizza. He doesn't have an affinity for any toppings. Yeah, no, he just likes plain old cheese. I remember that part of my childhood. He's like, what, eight years old? Yeah. Yeah, so like that tracks. But, like, he gets in there and all the cheese pizza is gone. Buzz literally has the last slice of cheese in his mouth. Did anyone order me a plain cheese? Oh, yeah, we did. But if you want any, somebody's going to have to barf it all up because it's gone. They are such cocks to him. Kevin has a reaction to this. He's just had it. Buzz tells him to get a plate and he's fake vomiting. Kevin just breaks. He's a literal child. He goes after Buzz. He punches his 13-year-old brother in the stomach and and knocks the wind out of him. And that sends Buzz into drinks, which sends the drinks on to people and starts pandemonium. What is the matter with you? He started it. He ate my pizza on purpose. He knows I ate sausage and olives and Look what you did, you little jerk. That is so inappropriate. When it comes from an adult, it stings different. If my brother looked at... If you, you are my brother. Your brother. Yeah, (laughs) your brother. If you looked at my children and said... And called them a jerk, I would... I would come apart. I don't even know where to begin. Oh, but Peter has no words. Oh, yeah. No one has... Because everybody's tired of him. He's been a pain in the ass. (laughs) Kate is dragging him to the attic where she's going to stash him for the night. On the way... Who is sleeping in his room? Like, who did he lose a room to, I I, wonder? I don't know. Probably Frank. (laughs) They go by the pizza man and the cops still waiting in the foyer. (laughs) Kate pays for the pizza and then lets loose to Officer Joe Pesci about how they're leaving for Paris in the morning. They're going to be gone for over the Christmas holiday. Exactly. You're taking a trip to Paris. Yes, we hope to leave tomorrow morning. Excellent. Excellent. If you'll excuse me, this one's a little out of sorts. I'll be right back. Don't worry about me. I spoke to your husband already. And don't worry about your home. It's in good hands. And then he grins at Kevin, and he's just got that one gold tooth. 
So she takes him all the way up to the attic and she starts pushing him up the stairs and they have a little confrontation. And honestly, I'm like, this was so relatable as a kid because you remember being mad at your parents. Oh, yeah. And she doesn't have time for it. There are 15 people in this house and you're the only one that has to make trouble. I'm the only one getting dumped on. You're the only one acting up. Now get upstairs. I am upstairs Dummy. Oh, God. He called his mama a dummy. I know. Oh, my God. I just love his, I love that he tries the, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you can tell he doesn't mean it. I know. He's trying the I'm sorry treatment. His lower lip is sticking out so far. Kate is not having it. Just stay up there. I don't want to see you again for the rest of the night. I don't want to see you again for the rest of my whole life. And I don't want to see anybody else either. I hope you don't mean that. You'd feel pretty sad if you woke up tomorrow morning and you didn't have a family. No, I wouldn't. Then say it again. Maybe it'll happen. I hope I never see any jerks again. I mean, he's a kid. He's a dumb kid. He knows not what he says. His, his emotions are very high. His family is already huge, and I'm sure he's been ignored a lot lately, and now there's all these people in his house, and I just, I get it. I get it, kid. Macaulay Culkin is so good. I know! Like, I, and I understand that John Hughes literally wrote this film with him in mind. Yeah, exactly. But, like, at the same, the role is literally written for him, but at the same time... Like, where did he even come from? Exactly. You ever hear your parents say, careful what you wish for? Yeah. This is that time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish they would all just disappear. So that night, there is a power outage on the block. Stupid limbs. Yeah, there's like a windstorm, and it knocks some limbs against some power lines, and that means all the alarm clocks in the McAllister home go click, and they're off. And I love this. The airport shuttle is literally knocking on their door the next morning like, time to go. I love how you can hear him mumbling. He's like, I said eight on the dot. Yeah. And no one is up. No one is dressed. No one's ready to go. They're all still in bed. And like you just, you hear them wake up. Classic. Peter! We slept in! <laughs> This is such a vibe. I should honestly have this as my alarm. You really should. This music. <laughs> it makes you want to get up and go. Like, I have, they, like you know Kate and Peter shit their pants. The airport shuttle's downstairs. You ever just wake up, you know you didn't turn your alarm on the night before. Oh, and that cold feeling in your stomach. It's For me, it's when it's too bright outside when I wake up. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I'm just making it to work. <laughs> It's so, like, everybody's running around, everybody's acting crazy. We we cut outside, and we meet little neighbor boy Mitch Murphy. The, thank you. Thank you for the name. I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> yeah, that's little Mitch Murphy. He lives across the street. He's out on the sidewalk harassing the airport shuttle staff who are loading the bags into the van. So he's a distraction. Yeah, he's a, he's a very fine distraction. Kate charges Heather with conducting a head count of everybody. She's the oldest kid. Yeah. All the kids file out of the house, and they line up in front of the van, and Heather starts counting heads. One. Two, 11, three, 92, four, 12. Buzz. Don't be a moron. Six. <laughs> I hate Buzz. I hate Buzz. <laughs> Little Mitch Murphy is like elbow deep in one of their bags. Yeah, what the fuck? This nosy ass kid. He's got his back to Heather in the van going through somebody's bag. And Heather 
taps him on the head. He's very similar looking to Kevin. Like, she can't see him. He looks like just one of their other kids. They barely make this flight. They are running through Chicago O'Hare. Run, run, Rudolph. Santa's gotta make it to town. Santa make him hurry, tell him he can take the freeway down. Do you remember our nightmarish hellish night in Chicago O'Hare? Yes, I do. Oh, my God. When we got to that hallway and we looked at Mr. Les, we were like, can we run? And he was like, we almost have to. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the same vibe. Run, run, Rudolph. Santa's got to make it to town. And then it hit me in the head. Wow, this is pre-9-11 travel. I know, right? So everything is lax. Everything's real lax. It doesn't take very long to get through security. And like they, they, they are the last people to get on this plane. They all get sat down. They get strapped in. We made it. Can you believe it? Hope we didn't forget anything. Guess what, guys? They forgot something. Cut to little sleepyhead Kevin McAllister (laughs) opening the door to upstairs. No one thought to check the attic. I guess not. I think there were a couple of other factors in play here. For starters, the reason this isn't immediately apparent is because, number one, Kevin's boarding pass was destroyed. During the milk incident where where he punches Buzz and Buzz knocks the milk over on the table, his boarding pass is drenched. And someone scoops it up with a bunch of napkins and throws it away. So That's a little detail I never noticed. Yeah, so they don't have an extra boarding pass when they've handed them all out in to the morning. To be fair, the person letting them go into the gate does not count them. She does not. She counts the people, but she doesn't count the tickets. And so, and then the other thing is that all of the adults are kicking it in first class while all the kids are in coach. And I love that we keep getting these snippets of Kevin just wandering around this house. There's nobody there. And he's like, hmm, this is sus. <laughs> just, I love how he goes, I made my family disappear. And then he <laughs> thinks about all the very cruel things that were said to him the night before. And suddenly it's not that big of a deal. I made my family disappear. <laughs> I made my family disappear. Yeah! Kevin starts doing every stupid thing a kid would do if they were home alone. I call this the whoopee sequence. <laughs> He's jumping on the bed. He's eating junk food. Shooting figures down the laundry chute with a BB gun. He's going through Buzz's stuff. We do junk food and angels with filthy souls. Oh my God, this black and white fake film noir movie. Okay, thank you for answering this question. It's fake, Ross. This is not a real film. Here's the thing. The guy with the gun seems very real to me. The guy with the Tommy gun? But the guy in the hat seems like that was made. I thought they were splicing like a fake film and a real film together. Sometimes using two different cameras has all the difference. And I was like, I remember thinking to myself once, I was like, I should try and find angels from filthy souls. (laughs) real buddy it's a it's a it's a play on an old noir movie i love it though but like it's just a couple of wise guys having an altercation and you all know this line it's the thing that they put on all the posters i have a sweater with this on it basically guy one murders guy two violently with a firearm (laughs) and then you know the line is keep the change you filthy animal And it traumatizes Kevin. And like, we're back on the plane. Kate's looking through her purse feverishly. She's just like... She has a terrible feeling that she forgot something. She's like, I feel like we just didn't do something. Did we close the garage? And he goes, that's it. I forgot to close the garage. He did forget to close the garage. No, that's not it. 
what else could we be forgetting? Kevin! Oh, she is horrified. When we cut back to her and, like, Leslie is literally consoling her, like, patting her hand, she's almost catatonic. She can't believe what she's done. I can't believe this. We forgot him. And she's like, what kind of mother am I? <laughs> Look in her eyes! And fucking Frank. Oh, my God. If it makes you feel any better. I forgot my reading glasses. That's not the point, and Frank! they all just look at him like, really? <laughs> really? You just said that? Cut to quote officer Joe Pesci. We have Harry and Marv. The wet bandits. That's what they're called, guys. I love in my notes. Harry and Marv, name a more iconic duo. I'll wait. So Harry and Marv are marveling in all of the wonderful burglary opportunity they have on Lincoln Boulevard. Yeah, they're in the McAllister's neighborhood. Just like, look at all those empty houses. Harry has obviously been impersonating a police officer to get information on everybody's house. Like nobody asked for a badge number. Like nobody asked for any information. They just told this guy wearing a police uniform everything about their home security. It makes me think if Marv did the same thing at other houses, but then I went, no. No. Marv cannot be trusted. No, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Harry is like the short brains of the operation. It's like Pinky in the brain. Kind of, yeah. A little bit. A little He's bit. Harry's brain and Marv is Pinky. <laughs> I love it. What are we going to do tomorrow, Harry? Same thing we do every night, Marv. Try to kill Kevin McAllister. <laughs> On this night, we're preparing to make entry into the McAllister home. Because they have every reason to believe they're not there. Kevin is smart enough to flip the lights so that they will think somebody's in the house. Because he's like asleep in front of the TV, right? Yeah. And he just hears them trying to break in. I'm like, oh, my heart just fell out my ass. There's somebody (laughs) outside trying to get in. And he runs and turns on the kitchen light and they're like, whoop. And so, like, they're like, okay, well, I guess we were wrong about them being gone. Yeah. So they beg off. They're going to go rob another house. So... The McAllister family arrives in Paris. Oh, as soon as that plane lands, the McAllisters are dashing to the phone bank. <laughs> dashing through the terminal on our way to check on our kid. <laughs> Over the hills we go. She shoves a French lady off the phone. I know! She contacts Village Police Department. Oh boy, here we go. We get Sergeant Balzac <laughs> and Rose on the phone. Is that his name? Yes. Oh my so god. First we get Sergeant Rose on the phone. We have to do this whole sequence where we juggle this situation back and forth between departments. No one can agree on who should investigate this. Nobody wants to. That's the thing. Like, I just, it's a busy time of the year. The phone lines are down. No one can actually call the house. The cops are playing hot potato with the call. Somebody pick up. Pick up! Oh, hi, ma'am. It's you again. Yeah, hi, look. I'm calling from Paris. I have a son who's home alone, and I... Okay, okay. We'll send a policeman over to your house to check on your son. And so they do that. They send an officer out to the house to check on him. But Kevin's not answering the door right now. Because he thinks they're burglars. Yeah. And so he's hiding under the bed, and the cop's like, no one's answering the door. I don't know what you want me to do. No one's inside. Yeah. No help there. They can't get a hold of anybody on their block. There are no flights back to the United States that are available. Not before Christmas. Yeah. The McAllisters are just standing around in the airport wondering what to do because Kate won't leave. Now who's helpless? The earliest flight possible that they could get, like, all together, like, is on Friday morning, which is Christmas morning. The airline gal tells her that if Kate just hangs out in the terminal, 
someone might cancel their flight, cancel their seat. and <laughs> Put she, you on a cancel list. <laughs> yeah. And so she might be able to get an earlier flight out than everybody else. So Peter and the whole gang are going to go to Rob's and the, Kate's just going to stay at the gall and wait. <laughs> Back in Chicago, we're now talking to ourselves to keep ourselves sane. <laughs> He's in the mirror doing his impression of an adult. I almost feel like this wasn't written. I feel like they just put a camera in front of him, made him look in the mirror, and set him loose. It is very organic. (laughs) And this is where we get that iconic moment, right? Where he puts the aftershave on his face Mm -hmm. and he pats his face. That is completely of his own making. I wash my hair with the Don't Formula shampoo and use cream rinse for that just wash shine. I can't seem to find my toothbrush, so I'll pick one up when I go out today. Other than that, I'm in good shape. And now that's such an iconic image. This iconic image of him with hands on both sides of his face, screaming his little head off. So Kevin goes into Buzz's room because he needs money to go to the store. I love this. I literally wrote, he's foraging. As he's climbing up Buzz's shelf to steal his life savings. Buzz has to keep it on the top shelf so he'll stay out of it. (laughs) I bet you can identify. I sure can. (laughs) Having to hide everything that was precious to me on a high shelf so you couldn't get to it. I was nosy. I wanted to know you. I know, but like he actually wants money. (laughs) (laughs) I never did take any money from you. No, you didn't. On, like, the last shelf, and it fucking busts. He goes crashing down through the middle of those shelves, and I'm like, broken wrist, (laughs) twisted ankle. Nothing. He's fine. Not a scratch on him. I love how he goes, cool, Buzz's life savings. (laughs) Picks all that money out. So he runs out. Little does he know, he's released Buzz's pet tarantula. Oh my god. Does it have a name? I don't know. Let's call it Buzz 2. All right. Okay. <laughs> Buzz 2. Yes. Like, like Audrey 2? Yeah. <laughs> Where's my musical about a singing tarantula? So Harry and Marv have broken into the Murphy's house. Remember little Mitch Murphy? Yeah, the little kid that we counted on accident. Well, the Murphys are in Florida, so they've broken into the Murphy house, and they're literally tearing apart everyone's presents and pocketing everyone's valuables. It's just kind of extra ugly, the the, lev- the lengths they go to to cause property damage. Because, Ross, why are they called the Wet Bandits? At least in Marv's mind. Because what Marv can't prevent himself from doing is when they're done with a heist, he plugs up all the drains and turns on all the water. Like, that is just so extra evil to me. They rob them blind and then flood their home. These are not nice guys. Like, so Marv does it. Harry doesn't like that Marv does it. Well, Harry is in his own right a terrible human being. I love how he gets in that van. You did it again, didn't you? You left the water running, didn't you? (laughs) What's wrong with you? Why do you do that? I told you not to do it. Harry, it's our calling card. Calling card. All the great ones leave their mark. We're the wet bandits. You're sick, you know that? You're really sick. So while they're over there, Peter calls the Murphy house to be like, hey, I know you're probably not home, but if you are, Kevin is home alone and please God, we just need to try anything. Someone please go check on Kevin. And tell him we're so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And so Marv's like, they're gone. So they're leaving the Murphys, right? Harry and Marv, you're really sick, you know that? You're really sick. Harry has his standards. (laughs) Like, yeah. We're terrible criminals, but, like, you had to flood their home, Marv. I don't know. Child murder isn't that out of the question down the line, so jury's out on Harry. I think 
Harry just thinks it's stupid because it's going to get them caught. They're arguing about how it's stupid, <laughs> driving their van out of the Murphy's driveway when they almost hit Kevin. That's sick. Hey, watch out! They, like, come to within an inch of him. Yeah, I, do, I, I don't know how they got that shot. I, it's the same way they got the shot for Hook. They did it in reverse. Really? Yes. That's great. It's to keep Max safe. I love that. You gotta watch out for traffic, son, you know? Sorry. Damn. Sandy don't visit the funeral homes, little buddy. Okay, okay. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Kevin recognizes him. Kevin recognizes him hardcore because he's got a gold tooth. He remembers him when he was at his house as the officer. Like, Kevin, to his credit, is a really smart kid because he just kind of figures it out that this guy was not a real cop. And so he knows he can't go straight home because then they'll know where he lives. They, like, stalk him. Yeah, like, just slowly creep behind him in the van waiting to see what house he goes into. Why is he going faster? Because you're following him, Mom! <laughs> These two are the biggest pair of idiots I have ever met. I honestly don't know how they've gotten away with as much as they have. So we go hide in the nativity scene by a church. Yeah, he has to like hide in the nativity scene to get away from them? Yeah, cut to Christmas Eve Eve. <laughs> so the 23rd. Yeah, and like they roll up to 657 Lincoln Boulevard and <laughs> they can see all these silhouettes. Every window is lit up. And every all of these silhouettes in these windows, we are rocking around the Christmas tree. I wrote, how unbelievably intricate. Yeah, I was like, this elaborate ruse for the robbers. Kevin has rigged, you know all the mannequins mom has in the basement? Yeah. He has rigged them up to look like people at a party. Like, we've got, like, we've got a Michael Jordan Bulls cutout, like... Just riding around on a toy train. Yeah. Looking like somebody's moving through the house. And, like, Kevin has, like, wires sticking out of every limb like he's a marionette master. Only the biggest idiots in the world would fall for this. I know, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know where Harry and Marv get off. I don't know how they don't see that this is obviously just a bunch of mannequins in the window. Come back tomorrow, maybe they'll be gone by then. You better get out of here before somebody sees us. The cutie pizza boy is back. Oh my God. This poor pizza guy. I hope he got hazard pay for this. So Kevin's ordered himself a pie. A cheese pizza just for him. Uh-huh. But like, he doesn't want anybody to get wise to the fact that he's in there by himself. Yeah. So he set up this elaborate ruse. He's a little genius. I know. He's got the angel with filthy souls tape. Mm-hmm. And he's got it in the kitchen. First of all, there's a television in the kitchen. And it has a, v I know, it, yeah. ha it has a VCR on it for crying out loud. So we've got the movie playing in the kitchen. The pizza guy comes to the back door and Kevin's just going to conduct this transaction through the dog flap. <laughs> Leave it on that doorstep and get the hell out of here. Okay. Um, well, what about the money? What money? Well, you have to pay for your pizza, sir. That effect. How much do I owe you? Uh, that'll be eleven eighty, sir. And then money just drops out of the dog door. And, like, he gives him $12. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Yeah. Well, that's 20 cents. 
Yep. <laughs> Keep the change, you filthy animal. Cheapskate. Hey, I'm gonna give you to the count of ten to get your ugly, yellow, no good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. One, two, ten. <laughs> this pizza boy jumps like he's on fire. He thinks someone's actually shooting. Oh my he God. thinks someone's actually shooting at him. You know he ran right back to that little Nero's and said, I'm never delivering to 657 Lincoln Boulevard again. Also, don't you love that little Nero's? Like little Caesars. Ah! <laughs> I never, never known. Pizza, pizza. Here's the thing. Little Caesars didn't come into my mind until it came to Greenfield. Yeah, I know, right? But apparently it's, it was always a national thing oh, for no, years. Yeah. I remember the commercials with the little cartoon, like, Caesar guy. Pizza, pizza. Pizza, pizza. Yeah. You could always get it at a bowling alley. I remember that. In the 90s, you could get Little Caesars pizza <laughs> in a bowling alley. I, also, he overcomes his fear of the furnace. Yeah, that happens pretty quickly, too. Like, we see Shut this, up! <laughs> like, we see this arc of Kevin just getting slowly more confident. More and more adult. And I love it because, you know, at the beginning of the movie, all of the shots of Kevin, they're usually from, like, adult height, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, the camera's looking down on him. But, like, as we go along, the shots of Kevin all become, like, at his level. So he looks bigger. Kate has made it to Scranton, PA. <laughs> She's abusing the ticket salesman. <laughs> so everything's full in Scranton. I am trying to get home to my eight-year-old son. And now that I'm this close, you're telling me it's hopeless. Oh, I'm sorry. No. No, 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 no way. This is Christmas. The season of perpetual hope. Mammoth. And I don't care if I have to get out on your runway and hitchhike. If it costs me everything I own. If I have to sell my soul to the devil himself. I am going to get home to my son. Now that's not very Christmassy, Kate. <laughs> that's not very Christmassy, Kate. Oh my God. Having witnessed her whole dramatic display, John Candy is here to work a Christmas miracle. We meet Gus Polinski, the polka king of the Midwest. Polka, polka. His whole introduction is just, it brings me to tears laughing. And he's like, you know, polka. And she's like, not very mainstream. <laughs> I had a few hits a few years ago. Uh, that's why, I, you know, just polka, 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 polka. No? It, Twin Lakes polka, Damavuji polka, a.k.a. Kiss Me polka, polka twist. Well, these are songs. Yeah. Gus, I'm sorry, but... And you know it's all improv? I bet. I bet it is. He didn't have a lot of lines written. He just had some objectives. So basically, Gus's function here, they're on their way back to Milwaukee. They don't. They can't get a flight, so they're going to Milwaukee from Scranton, PA. They're going to rent a giant van, is what he calls it. They offer to take Kate through Chicago. Which I'm like, listen, I'm glad they're trying to do a nice thing. I would not get in the back of a van with a bunch of musicians. I just would not. Especially, like, I don't want you to picture, like, young people here, okay? This is John Candy and his merry band of middle-aged players. And, like, I just would not get in, a in the back of a van with all those men to go cross-country. But she's desperate. I get it. So Harry and Marv are still staking out the McAllister house, right? Mm -hmm. They see him walking outside. All he, It's so cute because he can't cut down a big tree for himself. So he's just going to cut off the top. He's just lopping off the top of this tree to use as a Christmas tree inside his house. And they see him doing that and they're like, where's the adult? Yeah. 
That's the kid we saw the what? other day. Yeah, what's this kid doing? Why is he in there? So they go up and they press their sweaty little faces against the glass, and Harry sees him decorating the tree inside. And, like, he's hanging up that red ornament, and he sees Harry looking at him through the window. <laughs> I would have fucking exploded. <laughs> you would have gone running through the house screaming. I would have shit and pissed at the same time. He, he, he tries to fake them out again. He goes, Dad, can you come here and help me? And, of course, no one responds. <laughs> And Harry's just grinning, and he's like... He's figured it out. Remember that kid we saw the other day? He lives here. Well, if the kid's there, the parents gotta be. He's home alone. They said it! They said it! They said it! They said the thing! They said the title of the movie in the movie. And so, here's what they do. Now that they know that the kid's in there by himself, they're like, we're two full-grown men. We can take a little kid. Mm -hmm. So we're just gonna go in there and take this stuff by force. Let's go unload the van. We'll come, we'll go, we'll get a bite to eat, and we'll come back around 9 o'clock. And Kevin is hearing them plot from inside the house. Literally just look up. You'd see the kid listening to you. (laughs) I know, right? Like, he's right there. So, Kevin goes to see Santa Claus for some guidance. He's a little desperate. Mm-hmm. I love how I love how he goes right up to this guy. The, the Santa's workshop is closing. Yeah. Because it's Christmas Eve. Yeah. Santa's got other shit to do. Exactly. So, Santa's <laughs> trying to get into his shitty-looking car. <laughs> I can't even tell you what kind of car it is, but... It's a piece of junk. I love how Kevin's immediately like, listen, I know you're not the real Santa. I know how it works. I know you work for him, though. And he's like, "Uh, yeah, sure. He's like, I want you to give him a message for me. Okay, this is extremely important. Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. No toys, nothing but Peter, Kate, Buzz, Megan, Linny, and Jeff. And my aunt and my cousins. And if he has time, my Uncle Frank. Okay? I would be so concerned as this Santa. I know. I'd be like, where's your family, kid? Like, why were not more questions asked? (laughs) Like, come on. Because if more questions were asked, bud, we wouldn't have a movie. Okay. (laughs) I know. That's always the least fun answer. He's walking back home, and he's walking down the street and sees all these families inside the houses. This is when John Williams mauls me for the first time. This song, what's it called again? It's called Somewhere in My Memory. I didn't learn until this viewing that it had, like, a name, honestly. It's because you just think of them going, ah, you don't think of them actually, they are actually singing lyrics. Yeah, they, the, the but, song has words. Oh, it just touches you. I know. Oh, the, this He walks by this house, and this family is getting together for Christmas, and he doesn't have any family right now. Well, you'd be pretty sorry if you woke up tomorrow and you didn't have a family. Guess what, Kate? You both are sorry. Yeah, you're both pretty sorry at this point. And this is the part with the church. Mm-hmm. You were talking about the cinematographer earlier. What was his name? Raja Gosnell. Oh, My God, Raja, this scene. It's so weepy and emotional, it makes me. And so he goes into this church, and there's a children's choir singing Oh Holy Night. Very well, I might add.
And so he sits down in a pew, and the song is swelling, and he looks to his right, and who's over there but the South Bend Shovel Slayer? <laughs> Old Man Marley. He's giving him the eye, and like, I He's just, like, I can't shake this guy. I know. It's like, I think it's weird that he doesn't run, but like, there's other people in the church. Yeah, he's like, this guy's not going to straight up murder me with the shovel in this pew. <laughs> and he walks right up to him, and he goes, Merry Christmas. And he goes, Huh? <laughs> and he's like, can I sit down? And he's like, yeah, I fucking guess. No spoiler alert, but he's actually just a nice old man who lives next door. That's my granddaughter up there. The little red-haired girl. She's about your age. You know her? No. You live next to me, don't you? Yeah. You can say hello when you see me. You don't have to be afraid. There's a lot of things going around about me, but none of it's true. Okay? Like, everything Buzz told him was complete crap. Marley tells Kevin that his granddaughter is singing in the choir. They're actually rehearsing. It's not the it's not the big mass yet, but they're going to perform later that night. But he's not welcome to come at that time. Because he doesn't get along with his son. And he apparently is not welcome to church with his son. Like, that is just so heartbreaking to me. I've always wondered what the story was there. Yeah. Like, what do you think tore Mr. Marley and his son apart all those years ago? Exactly. Like, I feel like it was probably about money. They had, yeah. Marley tells Kevin they had a huge argument and they haven't seen each other in quite some time because of it. And so this is the only way he can see his grandbaby. Mm -hmm. And I just, my heart breaks for him about that. Who knows? He could have been a complete dick to his son. I have no idea. But maybe he's just hurting about it now. If you miss him, why don't you call him? I'm afraid if I call him, he won't talk to me. How do you know? I don't know. I'm just afraid he won't. No offense, but aren't you a little old to be afraid? You can be a little old for a lot of things. You're never too old to be afraid. Yeah, this is another scene where Macaulay Culkin is the most adultiest of little adults. The the cut that's in the film, that was the first take they did. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. He, he came, Macaulay Culkin came in that day, did it perfectly the first time. Wow. They did other takes, but they used the first one they did. Like the, the off-the-cuff one was the best one. I love Chris Columbus. He's like, he just came into that church and just did it. He's just giving this very honest little performance he's telling mr marley listen you should get your head out of your ass and call your son because i'm dealing with some shit right now i i kind of know what you're going through i literally magicked my family away (laughs) it could all be over so fast (laughs) i feel like they help each other out both very much this christmas eve yeah because kevin's afraid because he's got burglars coming to his home Mm -hmm. here's my question why doesn't he tell somebody because now he knows that the nice old man next door is not gonna murder him with a shovel exactly so why not just say hey there are burglars planning to attack me tonight can we get the cops involved but like i think kevin has something to prove to himself i guess i think i think he wants to prove to himself that he's not a chicken and he needs to stand his ground mr marley's like go on get out of here you ought to get home Mm -hmm. what about you me yeah you and your son we'll see what happens Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And I love this. As Kevin is walking out of the cathedral Mm -hmm. and he realizes he's got to make a plan. Mm -hmm.
montage. This score is unforgettable. I love it. It's like Christmas movie, but also action movie. I think John Williams kind of cheated, though. You think he did? Yeah, he's appropriating from Christmas tunes, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's still fucking great. I love it. This is my house. I have to defend it. I like to call this Operation Moron. Operation Moron? Yeah. Okay, what are some things in Operation Moron? What a genius kid. He is just, I don't know. Here's the thing. It also helps that Harry and Marv are, like, pretty witless for the most part. Mm -hmm. But, like, he is setting up all these intricate traps throughout the entire house. I think it's better to describe as we go. So Harry and Marv are strategizing. They go around the back to begin with. They knock on the door and they go, hey, kid, we know you're in there and that you're all alone. And then Kevin is poising himself at the back door with his BB gun. (laughs) He's ready. He aims that BB gun out of the dog door, the cat door. Also, they don't have any pets. (laughs) Honey, it's just the design of the house. Why do we have a dog door anyway? For this gag. And (laughs) he shoots Harry in the nuts. (laughs) With the BB gun. The noise Joe Pesci makes. (laughs) I can't even even imitate it. Play it. Be a good little fella now and open the door. What? You know they had a lot of problems with him. On set, they he was swearing all the time. And it's like, Joe, Joe, this is a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't swear all the time. And so he just makes up this gibberish whenever he's supposed to be irate. It's like, and then Marv pokes his head through the door, through the dog door, and Kevin is there splayed out with the gun. And he goes, hello. <laughs> and then shoots him in the forehead. No! Ah! Okay, so we're splitting up. Marv's going down to the basement steps, which Kevin has iced down, by the way. He's iced down both the front and back steps. I think the frozen step bits are some of my favorite bits. Oh, I can't watch them because they're real stunts. I know. You've got these stuntmen launching themselves off of stairs and rolling down these concrete stairs. I really cannot get enough of the two of them eating shit. (laughs) I really can't. The noises they make? Oh! <laughs> like, I could... Play me a little montage of them falling. <laughs> Marv is trying to force open the back door with a crowbar, <laughs> but it's literally fucking unlocked. That should have been his first clue. Like, come on. He should have been like, huh. Doors unlocked. He spends suspicious. He spends 15 minutes trying to get up off the ice and then finally makes uh, it in. He walks through the basement a little bit, tries a switch. Little does he know, that light bulb's just attached to an iron cord. He pulls an iron down on his face. Through the laundry chute. Oh! 
like, guys, I wish that this was a visual medium. Like, this is the part where you need to turn off the podcast and just go watch the movie because these physical comedic stunts defy explanation. You just have to see them. And so back with Harry, I don't know what it is that Kevin has put around the doorknob. It's a barbecue tool. Is it really? (laughs) Yeah. He's plugged this barbecue tool in inside the house. The loop gets red hot and he's hung it on the inside of the doorknob. When we were kids, they made us do fire drill training. They they put us in this tiny van. Uh Uh-huh. No, I remember the tiny van. Yeah, or this tiny truck and made us, you know, simulate getting out of it. Yeah. And like they always said, you know, feel the doorknob in the door before you leave to see if it's hot on the other side. (laughs) Yeah. Harry f- successfully gets up the stairs after 15 minutes, finally, <laughs> and puts his hand on the door. The noise he makes. Slides back down the steps and into the snow, pulls oh his God. hand out of the snow, and there's an M branded in his hand. For McAllister. From the doorknob. <laughs> Kevin branded him. Oh, my Oh my god! It's like, how did he come up with this stuff? This is so cartoonishly evil. I love this little psychopath. Back with Marv in the basement, Kevin has tarred the stairs. Yeah, he's made it so like his shoes and his socks, he's gonna step right out of them because the tar is so tacky and impossible to move in. The nail is the worst. I hate, no. You know how you always get upset when we talk about spit on this podcast? Mm-hmm. You're going to you're gonna talk about this. I'm checking out. Goodbye. So he's going up slowly, sticky stair by sticky stair. Uh, and then there's one stair with a nail poking up out of it. Uh, he puts his foot right on that nail. And the worst part about it is that you can hear it enter his foot. Uh, you can hear his skin tearing. Stop it. The noise he makes! Me too, Marv. I felt that right along with you. Oh, I feel it every time. I feel it piercing the bottom of my foot. Okay, this is my absolute favorite moment in the entire film. Is this where Harry has gotten fed up and gone back to the back door? (laughs) Harry decides, I obviously can't get in through the front. I'm going around back. And he gets to the back. He starts feeling the door, and I'm like, (laughs) you dead kid. He opens the door. As he opens the back door, a string connected to the top of the door pulls on a blowtorch. (laughs) It's like rigged up above his head. And as he pokes his head in, it fires on the top of his head. My favorite moment in the film. Like the yelling. Oh, the yelling. He goes screaming back out of the house to shove his head in the snow. (laughs) He pulls his head up like, ooh, it's burned completely away, his hat. It's like a fake headpiece, right? Mm -hmm. That's like smoldering and all burnt. Holy shit. How do these men not die? Marv is going... Marv exits the basement. He's not getting up the stairs. He's now shoeless, tar, feet covered in tar, in the snow. He notices the window by the Christmas tree is open. <laughs> Harry! 
I'm coming in! But what has Kevin left as a little surprise? Below the windowsill are a bunch of ornaments. <laughs> you guys ever step on a Lego before? Glass ornaments. <laughs> Hollow glass ornaments. Oh, God. He puts his feet right in and steps down on them. <laughs> I'm gonna kill that kid! I'm gonna kill that kid! <laughs> Me too, dude. I feel you. Your feet must be in excruciating pain because shit, you've now nailed them and had glass stuck into them. Don't feel bad about these people. They're literally committing terrorism and robbery. <laughs> I love how Harry just gets up the gumption to bust that door through and knock the torch off. <gasps> Where are you, you little creep? Oh, he's got murder on his mind now. I call this next part the chickening. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin has rigged up in the dining room a fan with pillow feathers. And on the inside of the dining room door, there's a roll of saran wrap covered in glue. Harry walks right into it. <laughs> he walks forward into a string, which pulls the ignition of the fan and blows those feathers all over him. <laughs> He's covered from head to toe in goose down feathers. Like, oh my God. And like, this is where Harry and Marv finally meet back up, right? We're reuniting after the last half hour. <laughs> Of trying to get into the house. Boy, they look tore up. <laughs> Marv. Harry? Why the hell did you take your shoes off? Why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? Now Kevin's at the top of the stairs. <laughs> I'm up here, you morons! Come and get me! Who knew getting up the stairs would be so hard? Oh, for crying out loud. I think this is the stunt that I really can't watch. Uh, for personal reasons, I've had facial injuries, guys. I know what these paint cans should have done to these men. And it wasn't enough. <laughs> like, there's the video on the internet somewhere where someone animated realistic injuries into these stunts. I should play it for you sometime. Drop it in the link. I'm gonna, okay, <laughs> like, trigger warning, guys. It's gory, but if you just want to have a real, if you just want a taste of realism, you can go check that video out. All I have to say about this sequence is ow, wow, 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 wow. So they start marching up the stairs at him, and he throws a paint can down on a string. I don't know what it's suspended from. The upper banister. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. The physics were a little funny for me there. Because you can go up the stairs around and around and there's more banister. You know oh, I mean? okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So the paint, he's throwing the paint out and then it's getting them on the backswing. <laughs> Heads up! Huh? Oh! Ah! Don't worry, Marv. I'll get him for you. So they're in pain at the bottom of the stairs. Kevin runs into his parents' room, picks up the phone, and dials 911. Hello, my house is being robbed. He gives them the address of the, uh, the house. Murphys. The house across the street. The Murphys, where the bandits have already hit. And I'm like, what? Why are we doing this? To exculpate his house from the investigation. That's right. This is so that none of this comes back to him. Uh-huh. They, they finally get going up the stairs. You bomb me with one more can, kid, and I'll snap off your cojones and boil them in motor oil. <laughs> your Joe Pesci impression. It's not very good. My, 
my voice isn't very strong right now. They've cornered Kevin on the landing. Like, Harry trips over another tripwire, and Marv gets Kevin by the pant leg. Yeah. Kevin's trying to escape upstairs to the attic. And, like, he's got he's got a hold of him. He's an adult man. What's Kevin supposed to do? He just can't break free. And then he spots Buzz 2. The tarantula. The tarantula that got loose on the stairwell. Deus ex tarantula. Can you believe this is real? Here's the thing. I can believe it's real because, like, we make a lot of stink about tarantulas in culture. I mean, they're spiders. People are an arachnophobes. Yeah, they're arachnophobes. And they, I mean, tarantulas do look kind of scary, but they're more like the puppy dogs of the arachnid world. You're not wrong. <laughs> like, they're... They're fuzzy little spider puppies. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I realize this is not something that I would say, but I kind of want a fuzzy little spider puppy. You know oh, what I'm saying? Okay. And so I can totally believe that little Macaulay Culkin picks up this tarantula, turns around, and puts it on David Stern's face. I don't know how David Stern agrees to do it, but he does. <laughs> I mean, I guess you kind of have to if you want to get paid. It's crawling across his face. Marv's a screamer. <laughs> starts freaking out that spider goes flying and guys we've arrived at my favorite stunt (laughs) your favorite stunt is the blowtorch the crowbar is my favorite stunt so marv does a little jig and the spider lands on harry kevin who's like okay awesome he's escaping upstairs yes the tarantula is now like on harry's chest Mm -hmm. and marv has got that crowbar in both hands and he's raising it over his head and joe pesci opens his eyes just in time to go what are you doing marv (laughs) harry don't move marv don't Marv, what are you doing? Come on. I just, the look in his eyes. Marv, what are you doing? Marv. (laughs) Like he's about to be murdered. He's seeing his whole pathetic life flash before his eyes. Harry's like, why is Marv turning on me? (laughs) Marv is joining the kid for some relief. (laughs) Years of abuse have forced Marv to turn. Okay. 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 I'm sorry. My sides hurt. You're fine. My sides hurt. The whole zipline thing is bullshit. Utter bullshit. Oh my god. Kevin has strung a zipline between the attic window and his treehouse. And he makes it. I know. See, here's the thing. He is a very little kid. Yeah. So like, well, I the stunt ca- double isn't. I know the stunt <laughs> double. The stunt double is like a four foot nine man. He's an actual jockey. Yeah, like <laughs> on the horse. Yeah, yeah. He's an actual horse jockey. <laughs> and like, it's funny because when you look at the shot of him going across this yard, it's like that is so obviously not Macaulay Culkin. And like the idiots they are, they climb out after him. I don't get this. I really don't. Like Marv, like Harry's line. Of of logic is no 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 he wants us to go back down through his little fun house get all tore up yeah so it makes way more sense to crawl out here with our bare hands and shimmy across the yard and like you've all seen a movie before <laughs> you know where this is going he cuts the line when they're halfway out there Whenever the two of them are screaming in unison, it makes me fucking break apart laughing. (laughs) I 
wonder if there's a ringtone you can buy. At the end of that line, they meet a brick wall. <laughs> oh my, a wall. So he he leaves his treehouse, jumps down out of his treehouse, runs across the street, and like he's trying to lead them away from the house. Yeah, they chase after him. He goes through the flooded basement of the Murphy's house, up the stairs and into the kitchen where the bandits are just waiting for him. At the top of the stairs. Yeah. They literally string him up immediately. They hang him on the back of that door. By his sweater. Yeah. And they're just talking to him about how they're going to torture him now that he's in their clutches. How they're going to do everything to him that he did to them. Oh my God. As they're um, traumatizing him, we see the South Bend Shovel Slayer. Call him Old Man Marley. Old Man Marley is slowly walking up behind them and he's like- With that big snow shovel in his hand. I feel like Old Man Marley might be like Kevin's like guardian angel. Ooh, now there's an idea. Like he was there every time Kevin got into trouble. Kind of, yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of, you're right. Like, I don't even know. He got advice from him in the church. He was there when they tried to break in the first time. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh my God, Ross. I don't, yeah. I, I like, I'm just wondering, like. Is the is the Southside Shovel Slayer his guardian angel? South Bend Shovel Slayer. He's from Indiana. Represent. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So Mr. Marley, God love him, whacks both the bandits out cold with that shovel. In the stunt with a real shovel. Oh, God. I know. That's why the sound effect is so good. First thing I'm going to do is bite off every one of these little fingers one at a time. (laughs) Come on. Let's get you home. Mr. Marley, the unanticipated hero of the whole movie. I know. He deserves everything good. I love how Harry is kicking Marv into the police car. (laughs) I'm sure he blames Marv. That police car backs out of the Murphy's lot. Harry looks out the window and sees Kevin (laughs) waving and grinning at him. Enjoy jail. Enjoy the Cook County Jail. We'll be out of sight. Kevin gets cookies and milk and cuts carrots for Rudolph. Yeah, and sets it all. I remember watching this with you one time. I was like, why is he putting out carrots with the milk and cookies? And you were like, because of the reindeer, Ross. God. <laughs> like I was offended that you, you think, had forgotten about the reindeer. You think Santa makes them run all night on an empty stomach? You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen. And like he's just, he's got this whole very... White Christmas, it's a wonderful life thing going in the living room. It's Christmas and he's all by himself. Yeah. And it's nobody's fault but his own, so he thinks. Let's be clear, none of this is Kevin's fault. Yeah. Kevin, for being a complete victim in this, (laughs) has held up remarkably well. Exactly. Like, I feel like this whole incident would traumatize me for life. Cut to the Polka King in the Midwest. Oh, yeah, speaking of trauma... Which, by the way, he said the word van to her when he was making her this offer. This is a truck. This is not a van. This is like, this is what I use to move all my shit here. Exactly. They're basically in a U-Haul. Like, there is nothing safe about this. There's one guy driving, and there's like 12 other band members and Kate in the rear cargo hold. Mm -hmm. This is how people die. I know. Anyway, continue. And so she turns to Gus and goes, Tell me, have you ever gone on vacation and left your child home? No. No, 
but I did leave one at a funeral parlor once. Yeah, it was, uh, it was terrible, too. You know, I was all distraught and everything, you know, the wife and I. And we left the, the little tyke there in the funeral parlor all day. All day. To which I always gasp, because I always forget about this little anecdote, and then when he tells it every time, I'm renewed with fresh horror. Can I tell you why this is horrifying for me? I know why it's horrifying for you, because our great-grandmother's funeral is probably one of your first memories. Yes. Just in terms of coming to terms with what death is, you know, I was like, I was like six. Yeah, you were not very old at all. And I remember watching this movie after that and really identifying with Gus Polinsky's kid. (laughs) This kid we never see, (laughs) but only hear about. Yeah, they accidentally left their kid at a funeral parlor one day. And I love how he's like, you know, we went back at night when we came to our senses. And I was like, came to your senses? Go get your son! I need to know how many kids they have. Yeah. Because if they've got like half a baker's dozen, like the McAllisters, like I could see it. But like, when we came to our senses, imagine if you had one kid. Yeah. And you forgot him. And like, you're just like. Yeah, we'll go get him around nine. You know, he'd been there all day with the corpse by himself. And then he's like, he was okay, you know, after six, seven weeks. And I came around, started talking again. Uh, But he's okay. You know, they get over it. Kids are resilient like that. Maybe we shouldn't talk about this. You brought it up. I was just, you know, trying to cheer you up. I'm sorry I did. She's like, I'm sorry I did. I love Catherine O'Hara so much. We wake up Christmas morning. It's a white Christmas. Oh, it's raining mashed potato flakes outside. You know, that was one of the first things they shot in Chicago. Like one of the first exterior things they did was Kevin coming out of the house looking for his family when it's snowing really hard. The snow is like, obviously, it's always fake snow. But like to get that real fluffy white Christmas look, we are raining mashed potatoes on this set. Yum. Idahoans. (laughs) Idahoans. (laughs) And he's, he, he comes downstairs. He's like, Mom? Mom? And no one's there. I know. Milk and cookies haven't been touched. You know, Santa didn't bring him what he wanted. Yeah. He's just devastated. He goes back up to stare at the picture of his family longingly. Oh, man. And right after he goes back in the house, Gus Polinski, the polka king of the Midwest, <laughs> delivers Kate McAllister to her home. Like, can you imagine? She's calling his name. Kevin! Kevin! He's not answering her, probably because he doesn't believe she's actually down there. Yeah. So when he doesn't answer her immediately... You're like, oh, I'd be freaking. She's walking around looking for a body. I know, like, it's such a grim thought. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then she sees what he's done in the living room, and she's like, oh my god, he set up Christmas. And also, he cleaned up really well really fast. Oh yeah, there's not a trace of any of the burglar antics. There is only one trace of the burglar antics, but we'll get there. Okay, all right, all right. And so he comes downstairs and he goes into the dining room and he's looking when she comes around that corner. Do you love that moment or do you love that moment? When every time she gasps, I start to cry. I do too. From the moment she gasps. <sighs> Merry Christmas, sweetheart. And she's smiling, and I'm like, it just fills my heart up immediately. And he just, like, is, like, blank-faced. I feel like he almost can't believe. Oh, Kevin, I'm so sorry. (gasps) 
runs into her arms. They get a big hug. I was like, oh. <laughs> 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 She's smooching him, and I'm just, <laughs> The emotions are real. The emotions are so real. And he just breaks away, and he goes, well, where's everybody else? And she goes, oh, baby, they couldn't come. They wanted to so badly. And then through the front fucking door comes the entire clan. Baby, they couldn't come. They wanted to so much. No, I didn't fall asleep in the back of the cabin. You do drive. They show up five minutes after she does. In my opinion, this negates Kate's whole journey. <laughs> this completely, they, he, she could have just come home with them on the plane and made it home at the same damn time. Listen, honey. But we had to have John Candy. No, I understand. <laughs> First of all, her whole journey home is hilarious. Like, I understand. It, like, just, it just makes it irrelevant. Well, no, I don't <laughs> think it makes it irrelevant. I just, I think it really speaks to her determination. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. She's got to get back to her baby. Here's the thing. I know she already did the apology. When Peter comes in, he looks right at Kevin and just goes, Hey, Kevin. Like, like, I, like we... <laughs> Like, Peter, you also left him behind. Like, all the adults. All the adults left him behind. They're all just saying hi to him like, oh, yeah, it's you. Hey, yeah, you're here. Like, they're not McReady. Yeah. I want them all on their fucking knees. Oh, my God, Ross. With apologies. (laughs) I do. For endangering this minor. They called him a disease. They did. They called him incompetent. They did. They called him helpless. And they left him at home. Like, in fairness, three out of four of those things were just the kids. But by far, leaving him at home was the most egregious. And it's like, sometimes I feel like the math doesn't check out here. Like, how did they leave on Friday morning, Christmas morning, and then get back on Christmas morning? And it's because of the time difference. Yeah, I was going to say, they're going uh, back in time. Yeah, and I'm just like, oof, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot of Christmas. (laughs) It is. This Christmas has been 36 hours. It is a lot of Christmas. Everybody's dispersing. I'm sorry. If it were my kid, I would have held him tight for hours. I know, in right? In the foyer of my home. Like, everybody's just kind of non Everybody's like, well, I'm glad Kevin's okay. Let's go back to caring about ourselves. <laughs> and Kevin... Which, like, I mean, it would be... I was like, I'd be like, don't be so tough on them. But they do this again in the sequel. Let's not get into my rage. <laughs> About Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. All right, well, let's get to the nice part. Let's get to the really, really nice part that makes me sob. Kevin goes to the window, and in the street, we have quite a little scene. It's a true postcard, honestly. Old man Marley is reuniting with his son, his son's wife, and his granddaughter in the middle of the street. On Christmas morning. And it's snowing really hard. Oh, and the John Williams. And the somewhere in my memory horns are playing. And he picks his granddaughter up and gives her a hug. And he <laughs> sees Kevin at the window. And he's sobbing. Marley is sobbing. I know. And I he, relate, Marley. And he gives Kevin a wave. And Kevin waves back. This is what I wrote. Marley and his family reuniting in the street fucking mauls me and leaves me a bloody emotional mess. I have been South Bend shovel slayed. (laughs) You South Bend shovel slay my heart. Oh my God. Oh my God. Holy shit. Oh my God. And then going out. Kevin, what did you do to my room? 
forgot about that. <laughs> where's Buzz 2? Did he make it? I know, where's the tarantula? <laughs> I have to know what happened to the tarantula. Imagine coming home and, you know, even if everything else is packed up, imagine being told there's a tarantula loose in the home. What a great movie. Oh my God, like... I know that a lot of times on this show, I have some rosy, ridiculous justification for why a movie is so near and dear. This movie is just excellent. The fact that this almost did not get made. I Can you imagine? Truly blows my mind. Can you imagine? I feel like this is like a butterfly effect thing. Like if we went back in time and didn't make the movie, what language we would speak today? Oh, God. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I really really think the production of Home Alone. It's a monumental film. It really is. And the thing about it is it's such a monumental success when really it's just kind of a funny family Christmas movie. Yeah, it's just like it's almost like Christmas is a footnote. In this movie, exactly. It's like it's just like a it's just like a machination for him to wish his family away. I'd like to amend my former statement. Okay. There are four things that make this movie what it is. All right. It's John Hughes, John Williams, Chris Columbus, and Macaulay Culkin. Absolutely. Like like I, his career like was still budding at that point, mm-hmm. but after this came out, he exploded. Like, and I just, it's so strange. He's the most famous kid in the world. I know. Like, one of the, like, right up there with Shirley Temple. Mm-hmm. Like, just in terms of identifiable child stars. Yep. That's him, baby. They made a video game out of this stupid movie. They did, didn't they? Yes, they did. <laughs> we should go watch the JonTron episode about it. It's oh, God, JonTron. <laughs> Haven't seen JonTron in a while. Oh, my God. So, but yeah, it's just, it is just great. The writing is crackajack, as an old-timey news reporter might say. Uh-huh. The writing is amazing, and it just, it's all a feel. I don't often have this opinion. I think this movie's perfect. Wow. A perfect 10 out of 10. I think it's a perfect film. You wouldn't change a single thing about it. No, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. You... And I've always felt that way. I don't think I would change a single thing either. No. Because I, I, I love mostly every second of it. I can always remember watching this film as a kid and just identifying with Kevin so strongly. Because yeah. I always had those pouty feelings as an eight-year-old, <laughs> but I didn't express them as freely as Kevin did. No, you did not. And so it was nice to get to see him tell his mother that she was a dummy <laughs> and that he hated everybody and hoped they all fucking disappeared. Because I that way sometimes. It was cathartic for you. Yeah. It gave me, I feel like it almost gave me confidence as a kid. Kind of like in a Matilda sort of way. It kind of put me in a mind space of what would you do if everyone you loved was gone tomorrow? Could you take care of yourself? Like, it's a, I'm sorry, it's kind of a good survivalist film. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know. An eight year, I mean, granted, an immensely privileged eight year old. Yes, that's very true. (laughs) This this movie is very white centric. I don't want to disacknowledge that. But I think one of the great lessons to take from this film is, you know, if you do spar with someone that you love, there is a point where you both can just let it go. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously everybody should have their limits, everybody should have their boundaries, but sometimes, depending on the circumstances, it's better to just throw your hands up and drop the rock. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Exactly. It's just, it's not worth it. And like, we're in such a weird time now 
where we can't even spend time with people we like, let alone people we love. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I just, oh God, this movie made me miss everybody. Exactly. And let me just say this. I had fun last night all by myself watching this movie. I had actual fun. That's so pure. And I, I haven't had actual fun in a long, long time. And it was, you're right. You're right. And I'm not going to get emotional. <laughs> you're right. Watching this film made me miss everything about our before times. God, I miss dad. I miss watching movies with dad. Yeah, this did make me miss my dad a lot. It made me miss my mom a lot. Like just, I can hear dad laughing. At this movie? At this stupid, at the stupid stunts. When he gets whack with that crowbar, dad always loses it. I love listening to dad laugh at home alone. So I'm I'm really glad you picked this for our last one. Yeah, and I, I to everybody listening today or you know in the future, it, uh, very very happy holidays and merry Christmas to you. I know we're not finding you all in the best place probably, but you know what? We are here for you. The watch party is always going. This is our sadly our last episode of 2020, but you know what? Good fucking riddance. Oh yeah, 2020, who that bitch? Goodbye, so long, farewell, Alvita Zane. So I'm not going to make a bunch of, you know, highfalutin, far-fetched predictions for 2021. Because the last time you did that, the audio aged poorly. It really did. <laughs> so guys, going into a new year, we j- you just need to take it one day at a time. Things will get better. Look me in the eye. They have to. They have to. It requires an effort from everybody. Social distancing, getting vaccinated when the opportunity finally arises, trying to be there for one another as much as possible within the constraints of this pandemic. And sometimes the best way to be there for someone this holiday season is to not. Exactly. Like, we got to protect each other. You got to find good alternatives to see your family. Call them on the phone, FaceTime, Zoom. Guys, they're still there. I know it's hard, but they're still there. Going into this new year, I'm glad we're going to get a break. I'm a little burnt out. Yeah. I mean, like, we love you guys. We love doing this. It's just producing art. It takes effort and it takes a lot of work. And in the non-pandemic times, it does. I want to thank you, Carrie Ann. Oh, he's taken both my hands. For all of the good effort you put into this. And, you know, we've both got things to learn. We do. And I will be taking uh, a bigger part of the burden come 2021. Like I said, I don't want to set a bunch of highfalutin goals because anything can happen. Yeah. But at the same time, we have big goals for this show. There there are a lot of really great ideas we have for this show. Ideas for content, ideas on how to improve it. It's just we are really, 2020 really was the twig in our bicycle spokes, <laughs> as was the case for many people. Mm-hmm. We've got great things coming up for you next year, folks. Thank you so much for listening. You're the reason we do this. Well. Also each other. Yeah, I really, I do like you. You are rather a pleasant time to hang. You are pretty okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad that we're both pretty okay. Mm, Thanks, Mom. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Thanks for putting us together. We really appreciate it. Our mother's the executive producer of Sorry Mom Productions. (laughs) She literally put it together. Yeah, she did. She put us together. Some assembly required. I met Carrie Ann McMichael 24 years ago. She was in the corner. She said, sit down, Ross. And we formed Sorry Mom. All right, let's take it out. 
everyone have a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and a good start out to your 2021. Guys, we're going to be taking a little hiatus starting uh, right now. Right now. <laughs> we're going to be taking some R&R, rest and relaxation time, and we're also going to be working on things for the show. Mm -hmm. So just for the month of January, guys, please feel free to go back and visit some old episodes. Don't forget to be recommending us to your friends. Goodbye, 2020. We wish ya the best. Until we come back in January, you can find us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show with suggestions for content coming up in 2021 at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That is with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, like I just said, rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. We want everyone to be able to join this watch party. And while we're on hiatus, you can choose from an array of over a hundred different episodes. Yeah. By kicking and streaming. Including bonus episodes, you're absolutely right. Like I, like we said, you can access us, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can also go to the Podbean page, copy our custom RSS link, and paste it into the podcast player of your choice. More quality content coming to you from kicking and streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry Mom. Mom.